Welcome to Equality in Housing with Housing Options Scotland and the UK Collaborative Centre for Housing Evidence with your hosts Pedro Cameron and Dr Gareth Young. This series explores equality, diversity and inclusion in housing research and practice through sharing stories and experiences from people who are working across the centre. In this episode, we're delighted to be speaking with James Carter and Les Crowter about what it means to live independently and some of the challenges that James and his mother-in-law Liz have faced in trying to make this happen. James lives with his partner Heidi and both have Down syndrome. Following on from the Down Syndrome Act of 2022, which will have implications for housing providers, we wanted to hear firsthand about the importance of independent living and what the housing sector can do to make this happen. So could you tell us a little bit about who you are and why we're speaking with you today? Yeah, so I'm I'm Liz, I'm a mum to Heidi, who's 27, who has Down syndrome, and her husband James is my son-in-law, and he's 29. And um, Heidi's been living independently since she was 20, and James since 2020. Uh, And James, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is James Carter and I live with my wife Heidi in a flat in Coventry and I am here to speak with you today about housing and living independently. That's great, thank you both and uh, thanks for coming along. Um, James, if we could just start with you and just to start with, could you talk a little bit to us about what independent living means to you and why it's important, please? I have always wanted to be as independent as I possibly can. When I lived in Weymouth, it wasn't set up for me then. But when I moved to Coventry, it was already set up for me. I think it is important because I wanted to live away and be like my brother as he lives away with his wife in Leicestershire. So, yeah, so in, in, in Weymouth, James lived um, in an annex in his parents' house um, and there wasn't really anything sort of set up um, for independent living, but Heidi's was already set up, which is why he moved to Coventry. Um, because the independent living was already set up with direct payments and everything. Great. And uh, James, could you talk to us um, a bit more about the process of moving from living with your parents um, to, albeit in their annex, um, to more independent living and relocating too? So what was that like for you? What was that experience like for you? It took a long time to decide what I wanted to do. My mum and I had a chat about this and I said that I wanted to move away and to be like my brother who lives away too. My mum and I had an emotional time together. I was so upset because I didn't want to leave my mum and dad. But my mum said that, don't worry, James, you will be fine with Heidi and her family. And I also said to my mum, no, I will be I, I will be fine because I will be with Heidi. And I know I will be safe with her and her wonderful family. I also said to my mum, because I wanted to do this for Heidi's sake, this was the only way to do it. That's great. Thank you for sharing that, James. So um, 
when James first moved up, he had an assessment with a social worker in Coventry to work out how many hours support he needed. Um, we tried and so far failed to get a joint assessment done of the two of them, um, which would be much easier just to get a certain number of hours and therefore direct payments for just a lump sum, both of them, but that seems to be um, impossible for the social services to get their head around. So he had the assessment and a certain number of hours were allocated to him. Um, and then he just slotted into the support that was already going on with Heidi's staff. They, they took on supporting James as well. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. And Liz, could you just maybe talk to us a little bit about your experiences as a parent, you know, from the other, from the other side of it, yeah. I, I guess, and, and how you felt when Heidi um, said she wanted to live independently? Yeah, so we'd, um, right from almost day one, we'd um, had it our aim that she would um, leave home and live independently as much as, much as she was able to, um, because we felt that was what would be good for her. Uh, and I've heard too many scare stories of, of adults with disabilities um, living with their parents and then losing their parents and then being completely adrift. Um, so we wanted to avoid that. So we sort of um, aimed um, early on that she would move out like her siblings would. She'd seen um, three siblings leave home, um, move into their own place or go to university. and. You know, she wanted that. My my plan was it would be about when she was about 23, 24. Um, but I did sort of start putting feelers out when she was about 19. Um, and when she was 20, some, we heard about a flat that was available. Um, and even though I was like um, very scared and worried as to whether it was the right thing, when we saw the flat and the setup as it's in with support and other people with disabilities in the same block, it, it did seem too good to be true. It's in a very safe area of the city. Um, it's very it's very sort of off the, it's not on a main road or anything, it's nice and safe. Um, and there's, you know, good parks and things nearby. So it did seem, it did seem right. Um, the, the first night I barely slept a wink um, and Heidi slept um, like a log. So and she wasn't the slightest bit bothered about it. She was fine, very very confident right from the start. She loved doing all the going out to buy stuff, buy her furniture and washing machines and that sort of thing. She you know, she loved doing all of that. And the housewarming, of course, was a great occasion for her. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't said when you said about the um talk to us more about the process of moving um i added a little bit more if that's okay yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I also wanted to start a new life in coventry with heidi so that i could do all the things that we love to do together i keep myself busy i work in the british heart foundation on a thursday and also i work in a cafe job in Longford. I go to the gym and I also help out at the luncheon club with Ursula. That is that's run by the um Coventry Hillfields Coventry Church. And I am loving it in Coventry. Yeah, 
Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Ursula is a, a friend of mine who goes to Liz's and Steve's church in Coventry. That's brilliant. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so Liz, in your view, how well do you think people with Down syndrome are supported and encouraged to live independently? Uh, not well. Uh, most people don't seem to sort of have it as a as an aim, or they might have it as an aim, but are sort of often put off by the the options that are given to them. So that people will be offered a group home, which may or may not be suitable for their young person, um, and maybe they're not always given the different options that are available. So they sort of think, oh well, that's no good, and then they just stop thinking about it, um, or else it's just such a big is presented by social services, social workers, as such a, a a big thing that it's it's scary to think about. Um, and you've got all these different options, and if you're, you know, if you're a working parent and you're trying to do your job and try and get your young person into accommodation, it's it's hard work. Um, a friend who wants her daughter to move out, but the, the whole thing and the struggling to find advice and the best way forward is it's just like a mountain to her along with all the other things she's got in her life um so i think it would be, it'd be really really good if those sort of things if the different alternatives were presented at secondary school um both you know mainstream and special schools and colleges where it's actually they have meetings with the parents and say that this is these are the different options this is the way you can do it or you could you know think completely out of the box and do it um, you know, using direct payments, or you could use this money or that money to do it. And people are people are always told, "Oh no, you can't get that money," but you can fight for it. And it's, it's again, it's just another fight that people don't really want to have. So if all the information was presented to them simply and clearly at meetings at school, and at least they would have or colleges, they would have some idea of what they will be facing when they get to it. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, just, and this is kind of an additional question, so you might not have prepared for this, but I'm just wondering, for people who are maybe listening to this and don't know a huge amount about Down syndrome, I wonder if you could sort of, sort of elaborate on what might be a particular challenge in accessing housing, what sort of things would are required, what sort of things that may be different from um a, a more general needs yeah um, so so Down syndrome has a variety of at least a variety of learning disability um there's some, and obviously some physical aspects as well um but i think each each young person in of whatever disability but in with down syndrome in particular um they need to be looked at on an individual basis because even heidi and james's needs a different the number of hours they need is different um James is very on top of his uh, personal care um, and his medication, but Heidi needs to be kicked up the backside to have a bath. Um, so it's, it depends on the young person what they need. Um, and I, I'm always hearing, well, my daughter wouldn't would need twenty four seven, or my son would need you need need somebody there um, all day and put him in bed and everything. 
and that and that is they're, they're worried they wouldn't get the provision for that but there is there's a lady in the flats here who has 24 7 care um and it is you know it is available it's like i say it's a fight but um yeah so i think each person with down syndrome or any or anybody should be treated as an individual and their needs met for them yeah i think that's something that we've been talking about a lot in terms of from an inequality standpoint or from an inclusion standpoint is that uh, a, a disability doesn't define somebody's whole needs so it's um the uh, people with down syndrome are not a homogenous group they're uh, they've got they're like a huge wide range of um i think that's what we've been thinking about in context of all the 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 um, characteristics and topics that we've been talking about yeah. is that um th that people with all sorts of um different protected characteristics have a whole host of other needs yeah. um as well so it's not a one size um fits all sort of thing definitely yeah definitely and james i know we we'd sort of we, we'd not asked you this directly but just wondered if you had any thoughts on on that question about how well you think that people with Down syndrome are supported to, to live independently, just from your own perspective of, of your experience of moving to Coventry? Well, um, I'm, lo I'm, I'm absolutely loving it in Coventry. I'm getting used to going around the, the, the town and used, uh, used to, um, uh, used to with, with Heidi together, uh, we're um, trying to uh, she's trying to help me to go round Coventry and and tell and tell me about what buses I've got to catch to this and there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's great. It sounds like you're loving life there. Yeah, I think. I mean, for Heidi and James, their staff um, are employed by me using direct payments. Yeah. So if they were going to go to a new so in a new activities when James started at the cafe um, on the Friday, his my, so I just said to the staff member, "Can you please teach him that bus route?" Yeah. Um, but there is there is general travel training available. So if you know if your child, your young person moved into somewhere, and they needed to uh, to have uh, travel training to get them around the city or the town, or you know back to parents' houses, that sort of thing. That's the sort of thing that staff. Can do with them or there is travel training provided by by councils as well there's a lot of things that seem very scary like training to use a bus and obviously it depends on the young people whether they have the, the ability to do that or whether the parents are happy for them to use buses um, but there is provision for teaching them to use it successfully that's great we, we are independent travelers though we go up and down the country with the training yeah yeah, well. and the bus as well. So. Yeah. Get out to your holidays in Weymouth, yeah. thank you, Mum and Dad. Oh, brilliant. No, that sounds, that sounds great. No, thank you. Thank you for sort of sharing your experiences there. And I think that leads on to the next question, Liz, really. Well, I mean, and obviously either of you, you answered, but um, just that, that kind of, and it's a big question, but in an ideal world, what, what, would the, um, what would the support system look like? And I guess, you know, who, as in, you know, who can make a difference in terms of local authorities or housing providers or whoever that might be to make that that system as good as it could be in your view? 
Um, so like I said, um, preparations needs to start much earlier. It needs to be mentioned at school and yeah. colleges to, to get the idea into parents and young people's heads that they could do something. Um, it'd be really good to have um, with the housing, it's a housing association like the, the one they live in, um, is would be for the housing association to know what sort of support is available in terms of the, the care support that's needed. Um, otherwise, you just get told, oh, you must use this agency, which actually you don't have to. You can just use employ people yourself, which is what I do. Um, I think people need to be told about the different types of accommodation. So you know, a group home might be ideal for some people, living with friends or you know, buying a, living in a flat on their own. Um, also, the possibility of parents um, having buying a house and the young people renting it from them, that can be done, uh, which that's Heidi and James are about to move into a house that we that we rent. Um, right. I think Thank you. the options of, of how the um, how to get housing benefit, how to get benefits, how to get universal credit, how to get um, how their care support needs will be met. All those pieces of information need to be shared at a much earlier age with with young people and the parents because people don't know and so they're worried. Oh, my child won't get what they need. Well, if you start planning early enough, then they can. It sounds like as well there needs to what would help in this particular situation is more of an integrated like the this the, the services to be more integrated it sounds like yeah. they're very separate um and i know that can be often the case in scotland as well in fact in scotland we would determine well supported accommodation versus self-directed support plus housing are oh. two entirely different sort of methods of um and it's two different roads that you have to go down to make right. either of those happen so um yeah it, it, it's supported accommodation isn't thought of as a housing issue at all it's thought of as a as a as a care issue but yeah yeah it sounds like yeah it's very um sort of people or services or statutory services anyway talking to each other would yep. be um, a big help. Yes, that'd be useful in lots of areas. Yeah, so looking forward, I guess, um, I wonder if you could both uh, talk about what your housing aspirations are, where you see your future in the terms of um, the type of house that you would like to live in and what you would like from that, if there's anything else that you feel like, if there's any needs that you feel aren't being met or there, there's there's more that you feel that you could get out of um, your um, your housing situation in the future? So I would say uh, the type of house I would love to live in is a terraced house in Coventry. And I see my future with Heidi very happily and to keep on Going with all of our jobs that we both love doing together. What kind of house are you? What kind of property are you in at the moment? Uh, we're in a flat run by Orbit Housing at the moment. Right. 
what you're moving into. But we are moving into moving into a house in Coventry. Yeah. You're yeah. moving. So you're moving somewhere else in. Uh, you're moving somewhere else in Coventry into yeah, yeah. A, a different and, property. Yeah, and that's a terraced house. Like you want oh, great. garden. Yeah. So it's not so much an aspiration. That's 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 really happening. That's great. And what um, about you, Liz? Yeah, so for them to continue living as independently as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously, at the moment, they don't have many hours support they manage. Um, as they get older, the needs will, will probably you know change and they might need more hours. Mm-hmm. But as long as we can keep using payments as we do now, I can't see that being a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, my... my my great desire is for the house to be like the one it's going to be, which is totally in the community. So it's mm. just in a, in a row of terraced houses, um, you know, with a pub opposite that they can go to and be part of the community. Um, um, safety and for the safety issues is obviously very important. So we, you know, we're going to be putting a video doorbell in, um, that sort of thing, a chain on the door, and reminders to lock up and all that sort of stuff. Um, which will be more important because they won't have the security of the front intercom door they have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's would be ideal. <laughs> that's great. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything that we've not covered? Anything that, you know, you feel that you'd like to share about, particularly about the experience of trying to, um, to get appropriate housing um, or... Just anything you'd like to add, yeah. Yeah, not really. I think we've covered nearly everything. Because I think the, the flat became available and, and seemed ideal um, quite quickly for us. But mm-hmm. I mean, I've got friends where they, their young person is, has a lot more needs and a lot more hospital and care needs, nursing needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and their situation has been much more difficult right, to find yeah. somewhere that's been suitable. Um I think it's really important when Heidi first moved in, it was important that the the care agency we used, their idea of independent living was completely different from mine, mm-hmm. uh, like on a different planet, different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's really important that, that it's clear how you want them to be supported. So Heidi was doing her own cooking and her own washing, and then she moved in here. And the staff thought they were being lovely to her and did all her jobs for her. And obviously, that de-skilled her and isn't independent living. I think it's yeah. very important that that's, that's established beforehand what you want the support yeah. to look like. And that, yeah. that again, will depend on, on the individual young person. Yeah, you want the... We call it... It's called self-directed support. So you want yeah. the, 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 the support to be directed by... The, the young person or the person themselves rather yeah. than dictated by the, the support. Yeah, I mean, I was in somebody else's flat and the, the staff just went to the freezer, got the dinner out, did the mic, did the, um, stuck the fork in the plastic seal and shoved yeah. it in the microwave. They didn't ask her what she wanted, which wedding that she wanted. She's quite capable of, of opening a freezer drawer with help and saying, mm-hmm. I want the this. Yeah. And she's capable of sticking a fork in the, you know, and putting it in the microwave, pressing the buttons herself. Yeah. She needs help with that aspect of it. But there was no sort of thinking, oh, what can she do for herself that is 
much more independent than me getting yeah. out the visa for her. I think that sort of thing is much is something that needs to be looked at with each individual person in mind. Yeah, absolutely. You can, yes. Um, anything else that you want to add, James, before we finish oh, up? Not really. I thought we'd probably do it. Okay. Um, well, thank you both um, so much for, for speaking to us. It's been really great to hear from both your perspectives. Um, we've been speaking a lot to professionals so far, and it's, so it's nice to hear from the other side of that and to hear from you know, the people that are actually um, going through it and the people that it, it affects most. So thank you very much for speaking to us. That's a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this discussion with Liz and James. Just a reminder that everything discussed were the views of Liz and James and not necessarily the views of Cash or Housing Options Scotland. We really want to seek out more people's views about their experiences and perspectives and to get more people talking about these issues and to speak across policy, practice and research. If you have anything you'd like to add to this conversation or you have your own perspectives, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch with Pedro at pedro at housingoptionsscotland.org.uk.